Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. A big story we broke at Just the News last night, first on the Just the News Not Noise show, then on the website, and today all of America is reacting to it. Yeah, the establishment media has their own spin on it. The Democrats are leaking their own spin, but it has real relevance. And today we're going to have a great conversation with a Congresswoman, Claudia Tenney, from New York, her take on what we learned about last night, and I'm going to tell you what that is in a second. We got a great show lined up even after that. Jim Jordan joined the TV show with the breaking news last night. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. We're going to play that segment for you so you can hear what two separate Congress people hearing these facts for the first time about what Joe Biden did to facilitate the criminal investigation of Donald Trump, what that looks like. And then we'll finish up with a really fun candidate running for Congress in a special election tonight in New York. I always love to introduce you to some of the candidates running, and we'll have that incredible conversation as well. Joe Sempolensky, Republican candidate running for a open seat where a member of Congress resigned recently in New York. I think it's House District 23 in New York. Joe Sempolensky will be with us. So back to back to back, three great interviews. I think you're going to enjoy them. But let's get to the news first so that when we talk to Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, when we talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, you'll have the context about what's going on. First up and foremost, We obtained documents showing that the president of the United States, President Biden, and his White House were far more involved in the instigation, the sustaining of the criminal investigation of Donald Trump over records kept at his Mar-a-Lago residence, and more importantly, waived in advance the executive privilege of President Trump over the documents, taking away one of his potential legal challenges in the courts today. That is a pretty extraordinary acknowledgement. It is a pretty extraordinary involvement of the president. And it really calls into question what the White House press secretary did at the podium on August 8th and 9th when they said, we didn't know anything about this criminal investigation. That's the Justice Department. That's the FBI. Not true. Joe Biden was at the ignition point. His White House staff was at the ignition point sitting and discussing with the Justice Department, with the FBI, with the National Archives, and giving the go-ahead for what became a criminal investigation of the man he defeated in 2020 and that many people believe he will face again in 2024. Pretty extraordinary involvement by a White House. It wasn't an honest account. All right, now people say, well, there's a good reason to investigate President Trump. That may very well be true. In the letter I put out, it described the type of evidence that concerned the FBI and the DOJ. But the truth of the matter is, 
President Biden didn't need to get involved in this investigation. He could have stayed on the sidelines, allowed the FBI to do its work independent of him, not take the positions that he did. It's pretty extraordinary in each piece of the puzzle to watch what's going on here and how the narrative of the Democrats and their allies in the media keeps changing. Facts matter. President Biden could have acknowledged his administration's role in this. They did it. President Biden could have let the courts decide the privilege claim. He did it. President Biden could have let the FBI fight it out with President Trump the way most normal adversarial relationships in a criminal case occur. He didn't. And President Biden was the one who was so infuriated when President Trump suggested the Ukrainians investigate Hunter Biden. President Biden and his team were those who were calling the Ukraine-Russia-Biden allegations disinformation, when in fact it wasn't. There is a dual standard of justice that once again permeates this storyline that we broke last night. Now, we have a lot of facts and evidence. We don't have all of them, right? It's very important for all of us to keep working on and keep developing this story as best as we can to learn more facts. There's more information. Just like we learned about Russia collusion or Lafayette Square or all the other stories, we need to keep digging out information and get the facts. But one fact is clear. Joe Biden was not an innocent bystander in the Justice Department FBI investigation of his chief rival, the leader of the opposition party. He was involved at the instigation point. He made a decision that that was consequential to the president's defense, and they've not been honest or forthcoming about that. We now have those facts and evidence so that you can make up your mind about what's right, what's wrong. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. After that, followed by Congressman Jim Jordan. And then we'll finish out the day with congressional hopeful Joe Sempolensky, who is running tonight in the House 23 special election in New York State. That's a big one in upstate New York. We'll have all three of those interviews back to back to back right after this commercial break. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. 
a field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I always love having this next guest on. She has her finger on the pulse, not only of what's going on in Washington, but what real American people think about what's going on in Washington. She's a great congresswoman for the state of New York, Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, great to have you back on today. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be on and be on with a real investigative journalist, as I describe you, because we really need to get at the facts. I find as a, I'm out on primary day in New York, uh, going door to door and trying to go to the election polling sites and seeing what, uh, what people are thinking. But I'll tell you, the biggest problem we have is the media. Uh, knows they can take advantage. This is a legacy media. They take advantage of people who don't have the facts and the information and they exploit that. And that's why we're so appreciative of people like you who are going out there and really digging up what the facts are and presenting them. And that's so important. It's what the American people need. If we're going to have any chance at protecting our self-governance, which is what our constitution promises, we're going to need an informed electorate. The people need to be informed and they need to have, uh, the facts before them before they can make decisions about voting. But thanks for what you do. I uh, really love following you and uh, enjoy it. So, and, and critically important. There's so much now that we have to dig into based on what we learned on, but do you see this incredible convergence? You've got the FBI and the Justice Department wanting to short circuit the normal way. In old years and past years, if there was a dispute between a former president, they'd do a grand jury subpoena, they'd enforce a subpoena, there'd be a privilege claim and go to the courts. It's clear that the FBI and DOJ just wanted to create an end around around that. And so they go to Biden and they get him to waive former President Trump's privilege. Your thoughts on what that may mean for the future of executive privilege? Well, obviously, I read uh, your great piece uh, where you interviewed the great Alan Dershowitz, who's a liberal Democrat, by the way. I think he's he's also a person who cares about freedom. I can never uh, settle how we could possibly vote for Biden when he knows a lot of what these people are doing is abuse of power. And and really, you know, really damaging to our constitutional principles and damaging to freedom and the ideas, I said before, of self-governance. But look, if they're able to go and waive uh, presidential, presidential privilege and executive privilege at this point, well, who is to say that the next Republican president or presidents coming afterwards couldn't go in and go after, as you say, fast and furious, go after Hunter Biden's laptop, go after everything that Obama did when he was president to create and to support or at least not do anything about his Justice Department putting together a FISA document and putting it before the court, the, the Steele dossier, knowing that it was propaganda, knowing that it was democratically created by Hillary Clinton and putting it before a court, lying to the court, and then the court uh, attacking President Trump for five years. 
we know that President Obama knew something about it. We could now go back in time and do all that, which we could, by the way, as uh, an oversight function of Congress and, and if we in that position. But to eliminate the executive privilege is going to open a Pandora's box to all of this happening. I don't know. Maybe it's the right thing. But remember something else. They trotted President Biden out of uh, I think he had COVID or he was down in Delaware or, you know, in a safe and secure location where we're spending half a million dollars, half a million dollars building a wall to keep him safe around his private home uh, while we can't build a a wall on the southern border, by the way. And he comes out and says, I didn't know anything about the raid, which now we know is is false. We at least from the documents, it appears that they went to doc, uh, to President Biden, he signed off on it, and he agreed to waive executive privilege. And if it isn't Biden, it's a shadow government behind him, which is even scarier for the people of this country. Yeah, the letter invokes the president saying he told his counsel, the White House counsel, go ahead and waive it. If the National Archives wants to waive it, they could. So he's got a lot of explaining to do, but it's the same president that told us, I had nothing to do with my son's business deals. And then we find out there were like a dozen meetings. The big guy. The the big guy, yeah. You're just starting to see that a lot of his stories haven't held up uh, when facts come out. And I think that's the key thing. You're looking at the real possibility that Republicans will be in control of at least the House next year. What are some of the things? You've done a good job talking about the lawless nature of this administration. What are the top priorities that Republicans really want to deliver? Not only accountability on but also legislative fix, start fixing the things that have gone wrong under this president. Well, look, this, uh, obviously, we're hoping to take back the House. I have always been a little skeptical about the numbers. I've heard people throw out these huge numbers. And throughout this last year or so, I've said, I think we have a very good shot of taking back the House. Realistically, I think it's going to be a small margin. And people get like, how can you say that? But after what I went through with election integrity issues, a hundred days in court. I didn't get sworn in until the very last member of Congress in February on February 11th of 2021. What I saw with the election irregularities and what we've been fighting to make sure that election integrity is preserved, the right to a private secret vote, which means the government doesn't know how I voted like it is in the Soviet Union or was like it is in China, like it is in all the other authoritarian regimes. Once we learn, lose that privacy, we're just like every other, uh, you know, every other dictatorship around the, around the world. So that's really important. And Biden is doing everything he can, along with Nancy Pelosi. They don't just assume power and take power. They abuse power every chance they get. What's happening with the FBI is proof of that. Or they're just completely derelict or incompetent. And look at the situation at the southern border. President Trump had that in order. And they are just doing everything that Trump did. They're just reversing, not because it was good policy, because it's everything Trump. And this is not the way to run a country. So I hope with election integrity, pushing some of the things that that we've pushed with the Election Integrity Caucus, the first ever and the only one in Congress that I I founded uh, after my odyssey in politics in 20, the 2020 cycle. You know, a lot of states, a lot of guidance we've provided to people like Ron DeSantis and others around the country who have adopted, you know, banning Zuckerbucks holding people criminally accountable for people that are violating our election laws and undermining our sacred right to vote. Things the Democrats would never do because they want to continue to get away with this, to use whatever means they can to get their voters to the polls and suppress the Republican voters. But again, we had a, we had a, a prosperous economy under President Trump. We had energy independence, which is really the focal point of everything. It's the fulcrum of what drives the wheels of our economy. If we have strong, independent energy, reliable and safe energy, 
that's going to mean prosperity and security for America and the world. And what's the first thing the Democrats have done? They have attacked our energy independence and our energy security, which has left us with a failing economy. Uh, we have high, high inflation rates, high price of gas. Uh, we have in, lack of security in Europe. We have a war there. We had a disastrous fallout in Afghanistan where we now have members of terrorist groups and the Haqqani network you know, running amok again inside Afghanistan. Uh, we have a disaster uh, when it comes again to the southern border. Uh, we have uh, a lot of problems in our supply chain. We're less free. Uh, we, we've had our rights taken away in the Second Amendment, particularly New Yorkers. So there's a lot that we could restore, but we need to start cutting taxes, stop spending, stop sending 87,000 IRS agents with weapons, by the way, out to uh, try to, uh, you know, really put the fear of God in these people and terrorize these people around the country. Let's put some uh, taxpayer advocates in place. That's what I've been doing for the last year and a half with my constituents is trying to make up for the, the abject failure of the IRS uh, during the pandemic, people not getting their money back. And this is a, you know, I've always, I know a lot of people don't like the IRS and they, with good reason, it, I always looked at it as the only agency in government where our actual rule of law, our criminal justice system is backwards. We are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but under the IRS, you're guilty until proven innocent. And the Democrats have weaponized now the IRS. They've weaponized the FBI against their political opponents. We saw that you know, through the whole Russia collusion hoax under the Obama administration and leading into uh, President Trump, where they just, it was a never-ending uh, road of, uh, of, of attacking President Trump. So a lot of good things that we can do, but we are going to have to win. We're going to have to fight the fight. And as Republicans, we have got to stick together. That's one thing we didn't do well in my first term when we were in, in, in uh, the majority in Congress. We need to stick together. We have to have all hands on deck. We cannot have people uh, criticizing our opponents and telling us, you know, like even leaders in our party saying, oh, you know, we don't have good candidates in the Senate. We have great candidates. We need to get these people across the finish line first uh, and really stand up for America. And I, I think we can do it. We just have to stick together. Yeah, that is the key thing. Oaring in the same direction. That's when in 1994, after Newt Gingrich won, you saw a two or three year thing where everyone was focused on the 10 points of the contract and almost everything got achieved in that. Uh, that's been missing in both sides, quite frankly, capabilities over the last 10 years. Democrats and Republicans have often run around in circles. They don't make the same advances. You seem to have, you, you've been really thinking through uh, solutions. I've been watching your website and you're really developing plans for the very things that you think are most in jeopardy in America. You just put out a plan to, a, law, a really detailed, comprehensive plan to protect the Second Amendment from all of the different assaults from the local all the way up to the national level. Talk a little bit about that, why it's so important to have solutions in your repertoire today. Well, absolutely. Well, we can sit and talk about what we might do, but we need to have actual something we can do demonstrably and not wait until, oh, when we get into the majority, we'll figure this out. We need to figure this out now, and we need to advance this because everything needs to be vetted. The American people need to know that I'm going to bring with me my experience as a lawyer, as a journalist. Uh, I owned a newspaper and published it. And those common sense solutions and my really profound belief in, in our system of government, it's not perfect, but the idea of self-governance and we the people deciding how we want to live our lives and not having government decide that, we need to really get bear down on what our founding principles are. And they're not outdated. They're very general. They deal with general, uh, eternal principles like freedom, individual rights, and those types of things. We need to really 
to work at that. And the Second Amendment is critical, just like all, you know, all five rights in the First Amendment. We have the Second Amendment to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. It's not just about deer hunting. It's about more than that. So we've put out a really comprehensive plan about how to protect our rights. Unfortunately, after this great decision by Justice Thomas, I was uh, really honored to lead and, and write a brief, actually an amicus brief, a friend of court brief on that uh, case, uh, picking out kind of a novel issue. 170 of my colleagues in the House joined me in defending and protecting our right to concealed carry in New York. It was a New York-based case, and we won. And Justice Thomas actually talked about this racist, bigoted standard, which was known as the Sullivan Law in 1911, uh, was put out by uh, you know a Tammany Hall uh, type of character, uh, uh, Tim Sullivan, back in the day when New York was even, uh, I, I, I don't want to say justice corrupt, but uh, I never thought it could get worse, but I think we may be there under Governor, Governor Hochul. But, you know, in, in a backlash to this, Governor Hochul went and took our rights away and passed these unconstitutional laws. So we have a plan to restore our Second Amendment rights. Uh, and one of the things that I've uh, really been looking at, and I did this as a state assembly member, and I want to bring this out as a really strong case to help our country and something that's been ignored in our constitution that I tried to advocate for when I was a member of the state assembly that I think is really relevant now. We have a Republican court, or at least a conservative leaning court that are constitutionalists. And Article 4, Section 4 of our U.S. Constitution guarantees the states a Republican form of government. And that's what we have in our, in our, our national government. For example, we have one member of the House of Representatives from Wyoming, but we have two senators, and we have that representational government from around the country. It's a Republican form of government. We don't have that in New York State after this famous Reynolds versus Sims case in the 60s, after Johnson had packed the courts. We have a situation where we have a bicameral legislature in New York, for example, but both are decided by popular. Uh, by popular uh, makeup of the of the district. So an assembly district has 135,000 people and a Senate district has 300,000, but there's no representation by county. So New York has 62 counties. Why don't we have one senator from each county instead of highly gerrymandered districts? And I think this is what, the way it was conceived by our founders. And you're looking at these deep blue states where we've basically written them off. Why don't we have a Republican form of government in each state as guaranteed by our Constitution? Imagine what our map would look like if New York, California, Illinois, and these deep blue states were actually in play, and we actually had a Republican form of government for the states as guaranteed by our Constitution. It's a forgotten section that I would like to, to at least get lawyers to look at, to look at a way to pursue this, get it in front of the Supreme Court, and have them weigh in and overturn that Reynolds decision. It could change the course of history for self-governance, for freedom, and for the way that America, the direction we are just getting bombarded by the socialists, the communists, uh, the legacy media, who again are exploiting our communities and, our, and people's our ability to feel governing, that they can govern themselves, saddling us with huge debt, overrun borders. So I think there's an opportunity there. And I want to really talk about that as we move forward into our new, um, into a new um, legislative session. Yeah, it's, it's the solutions that Americans are crying for. And, and your side is just full of lots of clear conservative ideas to how to fix the things that we're all upset about. Everybody agrees what the problems are. It's nice to see that momentum towards solution. I want to take another one that you were one of the first lawmakers that I knew that went down to the border before we all realized the border was going to be the crisis it is today. 
You have constantly raised concerns about the gotaways, the people who are escaping. There was a report over this week, and I think you tweeted about it as well, that there were 66 gotaways in a single weekend. There are people just getting through the cracks on a daily basis. How concerning is that? Is there any sense that CPB has a handle on who these gotaways are, what their intention is, why they're evading capture? I don't think that they have the capacity We have a president who has completely abdicated his obligation to protect us and to protect our border. That's actually one of the reasons that we even created a federal government in the first place. It was national defense and border security because the colonies couldn't do it themselves. So we created a federal government and border security was was paramount. And it was a it was a, a, a supreme role of the executive branch. And where's Joe Biden? Nowhere. We have overrun border. We've rolled back the good policies that President Trump put in place. We have the cartels controlling the border. And you see this tragedy of human trafficking, drug smugglers, uh, these people getting away into our parts of our our communities. And now we have an incident. You know, we heard about the, the travel agency and the late night secret flights into New York, into Westchester, exposed by Rob Estorino and other parts. You see Governor Abbott from Texas sending uh, illegal immigrants to places like New York City that actually cry foul when they're a sanctuary city. They are blatantly, deliberately uh, violating our federal rules by allowing illegal immigrants to be there and providing them with Medicaid funding, free college tuition, uh, all kinds of incentives to be there. And yet they claim, oh, this isn't fair. Well, Texas and the other border states are taking on millions of people. Then we look at the abject failure in Afghanistan Anybody and everybody is coming across this southern border. People on the terror watch list. People intend to do harm to this country. We had a terrible tragedy on 9-11, and and, and many of us will never forget. But look, we could have that tragedy happen again because we're not careful about who comes in and out of our borders. And now we actually have evidence that they're so overrun, the unfairness to the Border Patrol and the people trying to police this situation is really unprecedented. And you can't blame them. They're doing the best they can with the resources they have with an administration that's ignoring it. So guess what? We have these people we found out in my uh, current district, just about you know 10 miles, you know 15 miles from where I live, uh, you have uh, illegal immigrants in a hotel. And they people have, there's government vehicles driving them around, taking them to Dollar General, taking them to the grocery store. And we have gotten evidence that we're going to continue to follow up on that, that these people are illegal immigrants. We don't know. These aren't even gotaways. These are the people under the control of the federal government that we're keeping and taking care of in our own country. How come they're not deported? And where are the gotaways? Are they committing crimes while we have an open border, while we have cashless bail and all kinds of crimes being committed in New York State with a governor who refuses to even uh, look at the fact that it's her policies that are causing this? Uh, You know, this is a real problem. People need to wake up and get out and vote and understand that the Democrats controlling the policy in the national government, New York State and other areas, especially these Democrat states, are really putting America in harm's way. And I feel like we are in a precipice. If we don't stand up now, we could lose our country. Yeah. And you see that sense of urgency in the polls. 75 percent to 80 percent of Americans think we are on the wrong course. We're hurtling towards something that doesn't resemble America. Last question, because I'd be remiss not to ask it. Anthony Fauci finally stepping down in December after 54 years. Your thought about his legacy and also the opportunity to reshape the public health sector that led us down so badly during the pandemic. You know, unfortunately, I know he had a legacy. I'm not, apparently he did a lot of great work for finding cures to HIV and other diseases. But right now, Anthony Fauci stepping down is going to be a great uh, uh, increase and benefit to public health in America. 
I think what he did through the pandemic was really reprehensible. And I hope that as Republicans, if we take over the House, uh, that we provide oversight. And even though he's going to be retired, he answers subpoenas to come back in and uh, explain what he did to the American people, conflicting policies, masks on, masks off, vaccines, you know, no vaccines. And, you know, natural immunity is better than uh, the vaccines. And then I'm saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, the way that he really provided bad advice to President Trump and all of Americans while we were relying on him through this terrible crisis. Uh, I, I just sure hope he, he is accountable. I think Anthony Fauci serving so many years, maybe we need term limits on bureaucrats serving in government. Maybe that's what one of the solutions we should have. Maybe we should revisit some of the ideas of people staying too long and not really doing the job they need to do or, or reevaluate people. Uh, I think that could be one of the problems we have in government. I know I hear about it all the time from many people who new administrations move in and you have civil servants who uh, you can't fire. Uh, I know President Trump did uh, change that law when it comes to the Veterans Administration. And we had people that weren't doing the best work for our veterans and we were able to fire them, people who weren't performing. And so I think maybe we should reconsider that. You know, with Anthony Fauci, he should have been fired during this crisis, uh, during the pandemic. He really did a disservice to the American people. I'm just, this is just an idea off the top of my head, but uh, I do think that uh, we should definitely consider that at least having uh, standards uh, with uh, people who are serving in government where we can remove them if they're not doing a good job. Yeah, that's a fresh idea that I think a lot of people, after watching what happened in the uh, letting the federal government let us down so much, uh, that's going to have a lot of resonance, I think, with everyday Americans. Congresswoman, always an honor to have you on the show. We always learn so much. And I know we got a big election in New York. You're thinking tonight about the election. Yeah, thanks so much. We're out here uh, in my new 12-county district, which is probably the <laughs> longest district in New York, maybe in New York history. I think it's even bigger than the famous gerrymandered Stratton district uh, of many years ago. Uh, but we have a great community. I love it. We have Lake Ontario, the Finger Lakes. It's absolutely spectacularly beautiful, and the people are wonderful. It's going to be one of the biggest ag districts in the Northeast, which I'm so excited about with my uh, family background and my cousins being farmers and um, my strong uh, strong uh, background in ag. So we're excited about that. Yes, a big moment ahead of us and a big election in November. Congresswoman, great to have you on. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. And thank you for your uh, great work. Oh, thank you very much. Good to have you on. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. 
Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Congressman Jim Jordan, the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee and the man who will be chairman next year if Republicans take control of Congress. Congressman, good to have you on the show, sir. Good, good to be with you, John. That's, uh, that's, that is amazing news if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, good to be with you today. Yeah, this is important stuff. This is a letter that the National Archives sent to President Trump's lawyers on uh, May 10th. And what it shows, Congressman, is that uh, back in April, the White House approved sending the 15 boxes that Donald Trump had at his home to the FBI, initiating the criminal investigation. And then a few weeks later saying, uh, you, the archives, you can waive President Trump's privilege. We, the President Biden, will not protect his privilege. Go ahead and do it if you want. And that allowed wow. uh, the, a grand jury to drop a subpoena and the President Trump's team not to be able to contest the subpoena using executive privilege. We're gonna, we have that letter. We showed a little bit on screen here. Your thoughts of the Biden White House being in the middle of this right from the start? Well, it, uh, I guess I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I mean, you remember we, we, we had heard it had been, it had been reported that, that the attorney general had deliberated for weeks. So it, during that time, if he's deliberating on what to do and whether they're actually going to you know, have the raid on President Trump's home, it seemed likely to me that he'd talk with the White House. Because remember, this is the same uh, Justice Department and same White House who coordinated with the school board, National School Boards Association, before they, in fact, uh, initiated the letter as the pretext for the, the Biden administration taking the action against moms and dads that they took last fall. And as, as far as we know, and basically according to what whistleblowers have told us on that issue, they continue to do. So it shouldn't surprise us that, that the, the, the Biden White House was uh, in on this from, from the get-go, because that's what I always suspected was the case anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Congressman, we, all, we always expect politics to make strange bedfellows and there to be coordination between agencies. But I don't think, at, at least in my lifetime, we have never seen a White House get this deeply involved with, with directing any type of probe on another former uh, president. And and Donald Trump's out of office. He's not serving as president. Um, it, it, what was the motive behind this? Do you think it's vengeance? Is it something else? I just don't understand because he's not in office anymore. He really shouldn't be a threat to the Biden administration who's currently in office. Well, they've been out to, I mean, look, the left, uh, they've been out to get President Trump because President Trump's a threat to the clique, to the, to the swamp, to the bureaucracy, to the deep state, whatever you, whatever term you want to use. And they all know it. that's why they were out to get him before he was in office and they set up the whole Russia collusion hoax. It was why they would try to get him while he was in office. And of course, obviously they continue to do so now that he's left. It's, it's just never going to end. One thing you guys said at the top though that I think is interesting 
that uh, the Trump uh, the Trump lawyers and the Trump team have, have asked for a special master to evaluate documents that are subject to privilege and those that aren't. And I find this interesting because it's my understanding that the Department of Justice has basically told them no, and that's why they're 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 going to a, to a court to get this. We asked the same thing. If you remember, John, back during uh, the whole Benghazi investigation, right. I was on the Benghazi Select Committee. I remember distinctly asking Secretary Clinton during the public hearing. I said, look. You got the 60,000 emails. You were allowed to get them yourself. You personally have access to these 60-some thousand emails, and you're getting to decide which ones are personal, which ones are work-related. That's fine. We don't want we don't want to see the personal ones, but we don't necessarily trust you. So why would you agree to a, a, a neutral third party like a retired federal judge? Why don't you agree to let someone like that? We don't want to see your personal emails. We, we get that. But why not agree to a neutral third party like a retired federal judge and let them evaluate it? In essence, the same kind of thing that the Trump team's asking for. And, of course, Secretary Clinton said no to that and wouldn't do that. So it's funny how now it's all reversed and the government saying, no, 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 we're going to decide. We're not going to let any kind of neutral third party. And when, when in fact, with Secretary Clinton, she got all that. Uh, she got all that ability to, to determine it herself and didn't have any third party look at it. So I, I find that interesting how everything has completely flipped uh, in, in this situation. Let me ask you about this. The idea that a current president can eviscerate the executive privilege of a past president. It basically means after you leave office, you don't enjoy any of the protections that you thought you had in having discussions with your staff. Are we headed towards a dangerous precedent here with what Joe Biden has done to Donald Trump? Yeah, I think we were already headed in that direction, unfortunately. I think with what you saw the January 6th committee right. uh, begin to do with, with people, particularly the former uh, chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to the president. And remember what the courts have said. Executive privilege exists for the benefit of the country. It's not for the benefit of the president, uh, per se, or, or his close advisors like the chief of staff or the national security advisor or the or the, the White House counsel. It exists for the good of the country so they can have the frank conversations they need to have in important situations and make the best possible decision for the United States of America and the citizens who make up our great country. And it was first exercised clear back in 17 uh, in the, in the, with George Washington's clear back in the late 1700s with, with uh, George Washington. So it's a privilege that is, is so important, that, that executive privilege. So um, yeah, we were already headed down this dangerous road that the left has put the Democrats on. Um, let's hope it stops. Congress and the magistrate judge Bruce Reinhardt ordered uh, the release of this affidavit. Now, I have seen what a document looks like when uh, a document is ordered to be released, but with redactions. And it typically is a white piece of paper with solid black lines all the way across, except for maybe a date at the top and sincerely at the bottom, some type of salutation. What do you what a value do you expect we will be able to glean from this affidavit? Well, yeah, if, if it's if it's released in a redacted form, I don't think there'll be much value for anyone other than the government. The government will do it on, in, in a way that may 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 kind of be persuasive to their case or do it in a way that that doesn't give any information to anybody. So I think that's why you've seen the Trump team, um, President Trump, say that he wants it released in, in full transparency, uh, which is frankly what I think we would all like to see uh, what's really going on here. After all, this has never happened in American history. We're truly in uncharted, unprecedented area. Um, it, and that's why I think it's so wrong. But let's, let's see. Let's be fully transparent. That's what President Trump has asked for. Let's hope that's what they ultimately end up doing. But it doesn't sound like that's the direction this judge is leaning. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound that way either. I think you're right. Congressman, you've had uh, a more than a dozen FBI whistleblowers approach your team, uh, uh, creating a picture of politics being substituted for evidence and criminal judgment. How serious a matter is this and how big a problem is it inside the FBI based on what you've learned from the whistleblowers? 
I've, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, literally uh, four, over 14 um, uh, agents have now come forward and talked to our lawyers on, on the committee, Republican lawyers. We've had them on the school board's issue. We've had them on concerning January 6th. We've had them on this area where uh, agents are, are, are being pressured to label and categorize all cases as domestic violence extremism. So in a number of areas, and it just overall shows the political nature, unfortunately, that we now have at the Justice Department. And God bless these individuals who are willing to come forward and tell us this is not how it's supposed to work. So I anticipate more coming forward because, again, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, truly, just it, it seemed like every every other week we're hearing from someone. And the first one came when we made a big issue, John, if you remember last fall with the school board's issue. Right. The first one came late last fall when this guy came forward and said, yeah, this is this is what's going on. And he and he talked about this this uh, memorandum that was sent out to U.S. attorneys, and then we had uh, a whistleblower come forward and talk to us about the what the FBI had sent out, where they where they used this threat tag designation. Mm. And subsequent to that, on just that issue, we've had a whistleblower talk to us about the, the over two dozen cases where parents were investigated. So um, that all started because of that issue last fall, and yeah. that was the first batch of whistleblowers. And now we've had multiple ones come forward on the other issues that I've talked about. Again, emphasizing just how political things have gotten. Yeah. Well, sir, we are so lucky you joined us. I know you're on the road. We can't thank you enough for joining on all this breaking news. And we're going to be following that whistleblower story as it develops more. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, America. Yeah, the dust is still clearing from last week's big elections in Wyoming with Liz Cheney and Alaska with Sarah Palin and others. Right now, we're welcoming the GOP nominee for the New York's 23rd congressional seat, Joe Sepulonski. Joe, great to have you on the show today. John, thanks for taking the time to cover the race. This is an exciting race. I've covered a lot of politics in 30 years, but this has about all the drama you could possibly have. Talk a little bit about what's going on in the final days of this race and what's at stake. Well, we're out talking to the voters. I was just out knocking doors uh, this afternoon. Uh, Tomorrow morning, I'll vote, and then we'll try and drive more voters out to vote. No one in New York's ever voted in August before. This is a very unusual situation. Uh, We've got redistricting going on, which in New York was about as messed up as it could ever be. Uh, And we have a resignation. So we need somebody to finish this term, and then the districts are going to change. So I am the unanimous nominee of the Republican Party. We don't do primaries for special elections in New York State. Uh, And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to stay on the floor of the House of Representatives and speak for the people that have given me everything, which is the people of the Southern Tier and Finger Lakes of New York. 
Yeah, Joe, it seems like you and, and candidly, your opponent too, you guys are kind of facing a different type of task of other candidates because you're having to actually explain to voters, you're having to take time to explain to them why they're voting in August, what it's even for. There was a resignation and redistricting. Talk to us about the pressure that it takes or the pressure that it puts on you to explain that away, and then you can get into the issues. Yeah, uh, normally when you're out campaigning, you have a stump speech, you talk about the issues uh, that are important to the voters. You talk about your position on those issues, how it contrasts to your opponent. Uh, I have to spend about half of my time when I'm out campaigning explaining, you know, why should you vote? Why are you voting at this weird time? What's going on? What are you voting for? Uh, in this district, uh, there is in most of the district also a Republican primary for Congress on the election day tomorrow. So people will be literally handed two different ballots if they're a registered Republican. Uh, that's a little confusing. People may think that's an error of some kind. Uh, we have to uh, explain that. So a large portion of the resources of the campaign have not only gone into driving out my name ID, explaining my positions on the issues, why I'm a good choice, but also saying, make sure you vote and make sure you vote on both ballots. Uh, so there's a little extra explanatory task that we have to accomplish as a campaign that most campaigns don't. Yeah, that's got to be a tricky one. Now, you have done a really good job of defining yourself and the differences with Democrat uh, Max Delapia. Tell us a little bit about that, because I actually think the attack that you're taking is going to be the attack that most Republicans are going to take in November. How have you been differentiating yourself from your Democratic opponent? Well, one thing that's really crystallized the differences over the last couple of weeks is the so-called uh, Inflation Reduction Act, air quotes, uh, <laughs> which is going to do nothing of the sort. And my opponent was very much adamantly in favor of it. And most of the people in this part of the world see that law and see tens of thousands of new IRS agents. We don't have tens of thousands of billionaires in the United States, so we know those folks are going to go after regular people. They see a lot of new taxes in a recession. And I don't care what Joe Biden says, we're in a recession. You can't just willy-nilly change definitions. And it sees uh, a lot of new spending. And so that really crystallized the difference uh, in what direction should we be going as a country between myself uh, and my opponent. And uh, I'm across the board conservative. I describe myself as a constitutional conservative. And this is a rural conservative portion uh, of upstate New York. And I think my values are much more in line with the values of uh, the people of this district than my opponent. And Joe, I know you are also a law and order type guy. I wanted to ask you about policing there in New York. We've obviously seen America's finest New York Police Department uh, suffering from a lot of folks quitting or resigning early, giving up their pensions. They're, you know, not having a lot of people applying for those jobs and who can blame them because they are no longer appreciated by their communities and they're castigated by them oftentimes. But it's not just on the island of Manhattan where you see crime going up. It's happening all across New York, including in upstate New York. I would imagine that that's a message. Uh, the law and order message resonates with your voters as well. 100%. I think the two biggest issues of this uh, campaign season, one is inflation and two is law and order. And especially at the state level, we have the so-called bail reform that's taken uh, been put in place in New York State, which has been disastrous uh, for public safety. You know, my district is not that far from the city of Rochester, which uh, is a jurisdiction, a city where the crime numbers have spiked. Uh, just outside of Rochester was where our Republican nominee uh, for governor was almost stabbed. Uh, that was a pretty visceral moment uh, to illustrate the problem that we're dealing with. And by the way, that individual didn't even miss a meal. Uh, he was back out on the street. He later got federal charges against him because he attempted to stab a sitting congressman. 
but the state charges were not bail charges. He was he was out on the street. And so it's become very crystallized in people's minds. And I think it'll be the defining issue of uh, the governor's race uh, here in New York in November. And it's an issue that cuts across ideology. Republicans, Democrats, independents, nobody wants their kids to not be safe on the street uh, as they're going about their day to day life. Dr. Anthony Fauci announced he's departing government in December. You in New York had a real serious issue with the nursing homes here. The, the confusion, the bad advice that was given time and again, particularly sending sick patients to nursing homes, hitting those vulnerable populations. Has New York really taken account and has it learned its lesson or are they trying to sweep that under the rug? I don't think they've taken account at all. Uh, we have the sitting governor, uh, Governor Hochul was lieutenant governor at the time. Uh, she either was complicit or ignorant. And uh, it, we have an enormous tragedy of epic proportions on top of the tragedy that we all had to deal with with the COVID pandemic. And so much unnecessary death was put in place, uh, occurred because of that order being put in place. And anybody should have known that you weren't going to, you shouldn't have put patients back into that setting. And not only was that order incompetent and asinine, but then it was covered up. And in the sitting governor at the time, Mr. Cuomo profited off of it to the tune of $5 million. So it is a horrific scandal that cost the lives of thousands and thousands of vulnerable New Yorkers. And uh, so far, nobody's been held accountable for it. It's a real tragedy. Yeah, it really is. Joe, we got about 20 seconds left. How do people get in touch if they want to get out tomorrow? What's the best way to stay in touch with your campaign? Yeah, my email, all right, my uh, website is joesforcongress.com. I didn't feel like making people spell Sempolinsky, <laughs> uh, but I'm also on most of the major uh, social media platforms. I encourage anybody that's in New York uh, to get out the vote tomorrow. These are very important races at a very unusual time in the calendar. Absolutely, folks. If you got a chance, go out and vote in New York. That's an important race again. Joe, thanks so much for your time. Great to have you on the show. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, folks, welcome back. A big thanks to our three guests today, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, a lot of substance there, Congressman Jim Jordan, a lot there, and of course, Joe Sempolensky, the man who hopes to win House 23 tonight. We'll see how that shakes out, but one of the interesting candidates in a very interesting primary season, which is winding downward to the last few days of the primary season, and now the general election kicks off on Labor Day pretty regularly. Now, before we go, you know I like to always call out our great partners, advertisers, customers, sponsors, 
because they have great products, they have great services, and they make great offers to anyone who is part of the Just the News family, part of the John Solomon Reports family. And so if you care about Just the News and you want to do something, inquire about these products, learn what they are offering, take advantage of the discounts and special offers they make available through John Solomon Reports, the podcast, justthenews.com, the website, Just the News, not noise, the television show. If you want to support our journalism, support the people who make that journalism possible. And one of them is called Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi. When you're running a business like I do, your employees can create interesting situations. They're the most important asset you own in the company. You're humans. But sometimes they don't show up for work when they're supposed to. Sometimes they have behavior that's not appropriate in the newsroom or in the workplace. And of course, when that happens, you need to have a good HR approach. And of course, we're all busy, right? It's hard to keep up on all the laws, how to keep up on all of the policies and the regulations. But HR and HR managers, if you hire one directly, it can cost 80 grand or more a year. Bambi starts at $99 per month. That's right. For $99 a month, they have a service that gives you your own dedicated HR expert. They're available by phone, by email, by real-time chat. So things like onboarding, terminations, HR situations, compliance with local, state, and federal laws, all at your fingertips through the great people working there at Bambi. And so why take the risk? Why lay awake at night wondering, am I going to have a problem on this front? If you run a business, no matter how small, no matter how big, get the HR worries off of your plate. Bring Bambi into the equation. Have them do an HR audit. They've got prices for as little as $99 a month to have your own dedicated HR manager. That is a great deal. And here's how you get started. It's real simple. You take this worry off your plate. Here's how you do it. You go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash just news. Go right now and you're going to find out how you get started on this journey, starting with a nice audit overview of your company and how Bambi might be able to help you. One more time. You go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash just news. That'll get you started. You'll sleep better tonight if you're a company owner, knowing that your HR is in some professional's hands and it's no longer a liability, a lay awake at night concern for you. That's what Bambi does. I want to thank them for that special offer and for the opportunity to work with your company. We're big fans of what they do, and I think you will be too. All right, folks, we're going to take the rest of the night off. Be sure to tune in tonight at 6 p.m. for the Just the News, Not Noise television show on Real America's Voice. Great lineup. Alan Dershowitz, Greg Stubbe, Aaron Hedlund, Philip Patrick. Four great guests. The congressman from Florida, Greg Stubbe. Really interesting. Alan Dershowitz, I'm sure, has a lot to say about the revelations from last night. We'll cover all of that tonight. At all times, you can check us 24-7 at justthenews.com. That's the coordinate that matters most. If you're on social media, check us out at J Solomon Reports on all the platforms. Truth, Getter, Parler, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, we're there. Of course, as we head out into the evening, thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests for all the great interviews today. And thanks for checking Just the News. We're trying to earn your trust every day with facts. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.